since we're talking about freedom, we're going to continue to talk about freedom. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, it was funny, we were, we were out on the river yesterday, and there were some kids on jet skis, and they were acting wild, and they are about to run into each other, and I was getting frustrated with them, and I was thinking, those punk kids are going to hurt somebody. Um, and then somebody reminded me, uh, like, if that was you, you'd be doing the exact same thing at that age. And I was like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> it would probably... Did you? Okay, thanks. Thank you, buddy. The truth and love. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, and he, and he was he was 100% right. Unfortunately, I was poor, so I didn't have a jet ski. <laughs> but I was still causing a lot of problems and doing a lot of hoodlum things. Uh, but that, that reminded me even last night and then this morning, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about. Um, and it reminded me of something I, I wanted so desperately as a kid was a remote-controlled car. How many of you guys wanted an RC car when you were a kid? Anybody? Or still? How many of you still want an RC car? Yeah, if you don't have your hand up, you're lying. So, uh, so I wanted an RC car. Well, uh, like I said, we, did, we didn't have a, very much money at all. And uh, I think one Christmas I got one with a cord. Do you remember those? And it had a cord going to it. And I, yeah, it had a cord going to it. And I was like, oh, it was like the cheap version of an RC car. Yeah, so <laughs> it was like a what, a phone? Yeah, y'all don't know anything about that. It had a cord on it. Did y'all have, anybody have phones with cords on them? We had one with a long, you could stretch it out in the hallway and shut your door so you could be private. You remember that? All right, I'm old. Focus, Justin, focus. I have no idea what this is. Anybody know what this is? Who doesn't know what that is? Uh, all the young ones? That's what we get for having family church. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. If y'all were in children's church, I'll be talking about something else. All right, so uh, road control car. So it had a wire going to it, so I had to chase the thing, which is not fun at all. You're just like, oh, this is like exercise. I don't want to do this. I want to imagine I'm in the car and make it go places I can't go, right? And it was kind of represented, I guess, a little bit of freedom, too. And I remember, uh, the ne- I think it was the next after I got that corded one, the next Christmas there was a big box on the tree, and I cheated. Speaking of being a little hoodlum, I got, I got like a little knife, and I cut it and looked inside there. And the box from, from my peak, it looked like a real RC car, like the remote was here and the car was there. And, you know, it's in the box with the clear thing. And I was like, yes. Like, I was so excited. I couldn't wait. I cheated, and I knew what it was, but I couldn't wait until Christmas morning, so I could with it. Christmas morning came, I ripped it open, and opened, and it was a trick. They had hid the wire behind there, <laughs> and it looked like it was a real one. I think my mom probably thought it was, too. And I got another one with a cord on it. I was like, ah, oh, curse you, marketing. All right, so, so uh, I was just really frustrated. I really wanted one. So I saved it. I can't remember if I saved up money or something. I remember buying this myself at some store, but it was a little bitty car. It was all I could afford, but it didn't have a cord, but it didn't have remote control either. But you could, like, customize it. I don't know if you remember these. And you put batteries in them. And I was so excited. And I got it all together. I'll never forget this. And it was supposed to be really fast and really cool. And I, I don't know what I was thinking. I couldn't control the thing. And I started it and put it down. And it just took off and went straight down the drain, like, like in the street. And it was gone. And I was like, oh, man. There goes my car. So about four years ago. No. About four... <laughs> About four years ago, uh, I was selling a jet ski or something. This guy wanted to offer me cash and an RC car, and I ended up trading him for this RC car, and I finally got like a quartered RC car. It was a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, there was, yay, happy ending. Yeah. And uh, so I think I ended up trading it for something else. But it was a lot of fun. I got to play with it. I even got Jordan one for Christmas. It was pretty fun. I, I let her play with it every once in a while. But uh, there's just some, there was just something so much more fun about being untethered, right, about like, not having to chase the thing around and being being right there by it, and so there was this idea of freedom um, as far as with an RC. I know it's kind of a 
a rough analogy to lead into what I'm talking about, but for me, it was like a really big deal for me as a kid. Um, and there's a lot, uh, there's, there's a lot that goes into our freedom and what freedom leads to. What, one of the conversations we even had last night after um, just kind of hanging out a little bit was what, what freedom leads us into or away from and different things like that. And the interesting thing about freedom is it will reveal what your true motives are. Um, and sometimes those aren't always pretty, right? I mean, sometimes they can be, but sometimes they can't be. And what, what we find and what many of us have found when we, we kind of, after we got saved, we began to go to church and got caught up in religion trying to run this kind of hamster wheel of, of performance, uh, we found that we continually would fail um, trying to do this stuff on our own. And part of that was this fear of actually being free. Have any of you felt that? I've felt that, like, I remember, and Trace remembers this too, I was so scared, I was scared to go anywhere that I thought I might, like, mess up and sin, right? And, like, casinos or whatever, I was like, we're not going to a casino. You know, those are bad. There's all kinds of opportunities for bad things to happen there. They hurt people. You know, the, the, you know some lives are ruined because people get caught up in gambling, different things like that. And it took years for me to untangle some of that stuff as far as what freedom looked like and how that played out. Um, but what it did, what it did ultimately was it hindered, it hindered my effectiveness to actually minister to people. It stopped me from actually loving people because I was so scared of messing up on my own that I couldn't help anybody because I was self-centered, right? This is what freedom helps with. It gets, it gets your eyes off of you and onto Jesus. Uh, freedom... Uh, unfortunately, in some cases, will lead you to see some of the ugly truth about yourself. Freedom, freedom can lead you to see uh, some things that you've got to work on in your own life because it will allow you to do what you want to do, right? Freedom says you can do whatever you want to do. Now let's address why you want to do it. Now, we've, we've, we've talked about last week and kind of leading into this week why we go to church, um, and I want to kind of continue that, why we go to church and what the purpose of this is. And even beyond that, why we do what we do outside of this church, what our purpose is as Christians. Something we talked about Wednesday night in youth, we had a really good discussion um, with the youth, and I, I asked them this question, what do you have that you have to offer people when you leave this place? I wanted to know, you know, genuinely, what, what do you have, what do you, what do you carry with you to offer people when you, when you go outside the doors of this church and you minister to people? What, what are we giving? And we had some really good, I'm not going to give you all the details of what we talked about, we had some really good uh, responses from young people. Um, and it's a beautiful thing because many young people haven't been corrupted with all the stress and bills and all the crazy things that adults have. So a lot of their answers are very, very simplistic, which is good. We need more of that as adults, more simplistic understanding of this stuff. Um, and so what I want to talk about is why, why we do this, but also why we do everything that we do. And I think that's an important thing that we need to discuss as Christians. What are we doing and why are we doing it? Um, and we'll always kind of come back to that. Um, as I've told you over and over again, we, we have to always point back to Jesus. Everything, everything we read, I always say scratch out the headings and just say this is all, it's all about Jesus, and that helps us kind of clarify what's going on. It's no exception here. We're going to talk about this, and um, this is after uh, Jesus' death, death, burial, and resurrection. He goes wandering through walls, <laughs> um, and we're going to start in John 20, 19. Now, there's lots of different translations. Um, some are better than others, but you have to understand that the Bible is written in Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, mostly Greek. Um, and so there's a lot of broken down translations when it comes to the English language. It can't quite express everything that's going on um, all the time. And there's, 
Lots of different translations that help that. This specific one, mostly I read out of NIV just because that's what I learned on, but this is the Passion Translation. I just really like, especially the verse I want to kind of hover around on, which is uh, verse 23. This is something I've touched on in the past, but we haven't really dived into. Dived? Dove? Doven? All right. We haven't gotten deep into this. <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, so I want to, I want to, I'll start with 23, then I'll go all the way back to 19. So verse 23 says, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. This is the Passion Translation. And people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. Now, I like the way the Passion puts this because it seems to help us understand a little more clearly. Now, we'll stop here for a minute. Um, the original text basically, or not the original text, but some of the other translations will say, uh, if you forgive, those, forgive people's sins, they'll be for, forgiven, and if you retain them, they'll be retained, right? Have you all ever heard that? Okay, that puts a lot of, there, there's a lot of question marks there. So does that mean that we carry the power to whether we decide people, whether people's sins are forgiven or not? I don't believe that's what that means. We have to compare this with everything else that Scripture shows us. It's not just by itself. It's one of the reasons I really like the Passion Translation, because I like the way that they express it. It makes a lot more sense this way, and it goes along with every other Scripture much more clearly. So we're going to read all the way from 19 to kind of give it some context. So Jesus walks through a wall, basically, um, shows up. They're afraid. Uh, the disciples are afraid. They think that they're going to they're uh, be persecuted and possibly killed over all this thing, uh, over everything that's been going on. Uh, as far as they know, all their hope has been put in a man that's died, <laughs> and they're not really sure if he's really resurrected, even though some Mary said they had, they had seen him. So they're kind of freaking out. They're in a room. Verse 19 says, That evening the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid uh, from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors uh, to the place where they met. But suddenly Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. When he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. And he told them, Just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. So I think what he's saying here, um, he's saying a lot. Uh, a couple times he tells them to have peace, and that's very important because they did not have peace in that moment. Um, he's also telling he's about to send them, but he doesn't just say, I'm going to send you. He breathes on them and gives them something. And this is kind of what I want to kind of, I'm going to hover around is what he gives them. When he breathes on them, this, this should remind us of what happened in Genesis, right? When God breathed his life into us, when he created us, right? Um, he's, what Jesus is giving us is this deposit of the kingdom. He is breathing life into us and giving us something that has value. And we have to recognize that. Something I've been trying to help the kids understand in youth as well. You have something that's valuable. These scriptures are valuable. The Holy Spirit you have is valuable. You have to know that you have something before you can give it away, right? If you don't know... Let's just say you, you didn't even know, but someone showed up at your door and said, hey, uh, a, a relative that you didn't know you had passed away and gave you an inheritance of a million dollars, and it's, it's yours. All you have to do is receive it. Just sign here, and it's yours. How would that make you feel? Pretty happy, right? What? A million dollars? What would a million dollars mean to you right now? Think about that for a minute. What would, what would that mean to you in your life right now? Lack of stress. Security, right? Um, what else? Peace? I could retire, right? That's in a nutshell, yeah. The ability to bless others, yeah, yeah. Definitely. 
pay off the church building. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I hope y'all do have some long-lost relatives up in here. Uh, but think about this. Money's only temporary, right? You're not going to take it with you. We know that. All of us in here know that. Even people that are lost know that. You can't take it with you. But there's a sense of security with it. There's a sense of, of value that money has and brings you that, a sense of peace, right? How much more value that you have eternal life? How much more valuable is it that you can not only have eternal life, but you can, you can share that with other people? And, and, it, and you can see lives transformed right in front of you. Like people, not just things, you can see people's lives changed. Not because of what you, not because of who you are, or what you paid for, but because of who Christ is and what He paid for, and He gave you as a gift. You carry power, <laughs> not because you have power, not because you are powerful, but because Christ gave you power. He breathed His Holy Spirit on us to give us peace, to give us comfort. He says He's the Comforter, the Helper, to give us help. It's not up to us to figure everything out. It's for us to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That's our job. That's your job. We come here to celebrate and to talk about it, but we go out there to give it away to everybody else. That's our position. Um, it's important that we know that we have that every day, every moment of every day, not just when you feel it, right? Not just when the worship music is good or not just when I'm telling you it on Sundays or not just when you're reading your devotional, although you can find it in those places, you need to know that you have it even when you don't feel it. You need to know that you have it even when it seems like everything is falling apart around you. You still have it because it's not based on what you can do. It's based on what he already did. That's a very powerful thing. It goes beyond, like literally goes beyond time and space. It goes beyond a, a finite way of thinking. It goes on into eternity. So your mindset changes. The way you the way you act and react to people should change in relation to how God acts and reacts towards you. This is, this is the good news in, in a nutshell, is that you were given the free gift of eternal life. Your sins have been forgiven. You've been made free. You're no longer a slave to sin. And now you, now you carry the power to do that and help other people to get to that same place. We talked about last week taking their hand and placing it in his. This is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about, giving the good news, proclaiming the good news. You don't have to always explain it. Every conversation doesn't have to be an in-depth in -depth theological discussion. Some interactions, especially in, in relationships, take time. Take time, take time, take time. And all we do is cast seeds and water, and God brings the increase. Grace is a beautiful thing in that it takes that pressure off of us to figure everything out all the time. That's self-centered again. It takes that pressure off us to, to where we can, we can give away something that we couldn't earn ourselves. Matthew 16, 13 says, um, and this is talking about, uh, and most of you guys know this story, uh, when, when Peter likes to kind of speak up anytime he gives an opportunity, anytime he's given an opportunity, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, what do you say, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter speaks up, as he likes to do, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, he's not saying on Peter, he's saying on this rock. What rock? On the truth that he is the son of God, that he recognized who he was. 
On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hells will not overcome, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, we have to see what he's what he's talking about here. We're talking about preaching the good news and the forgiveness of sins. That's how the gates of hell will not prevail. The rock that is that is built on is on the truth of who Jesus was, who could forgive our sins, so that we could proclaim the same thing, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see what that's you see what it's saying? It's taking it all the way to us, saying, okay, Jesus died. That truth that Jesus was the Messiah, he died for our sins, he rose again so that we could have new life. Now, the gates of hell can't prevail over that. There's no, there's no defense against what we have. <laughs> it's already been done. We just we share that good news. It's a proclamation. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth. This is what he's talking about the church, us, you and me. This is the mention of the church when he's talking about the church, right? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What do keys represent? Access. Authority. We have access to the kingdom. You have something of value. You have the keys to the kingdom. You do. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. You guys. That's what you carry around. Now, if we have keys to a kingdom, in a kingdom there's authority, right? What do we have authority to do? If we say, if we want to stick our chests out and say we have authority, what does that look like? What do we say in the beginning? Let's look at Jesus. When Jesus found out he had all authority on heaven and earth, what was his first, what was his reaction, his response to that? He washed his disciples' feet. So Jesus, Jesus recognized, I have all authority on heaven and earth. The, the Father has given this to me. What am, I, what, do, what am I going to do with all this authority? And he bends down and he washes his disciples' feet. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> what are you going to do with it? You have the keys to free people of sin, death, and hell. What are we going to do with it? We can meet here every Sunday and celebrate it, and that's good. But what are we going to do when we, when we walk out those doors? What are you guys, what are you guys going to do with this, this valuable possession that you carry? We, we kind of joke around it. They called it clay pots back then. Um, but I, we call it like Dixie cups. <laughs> Our bodies are frail. They're not going to last forever. We know that. That's, that's statistics. One out of every one of you are going to die eventually, physically. I mean, it's going to happen. You have a limited time on earth, so what are we doing with the time that we have? I want to invest in an eternal kingdom. I want to be a part of whatever God's doing on earth. It's not, it, it shouldn't be a burden to you to do this. It should be awesome. It is awesome. It's an awesome thing to bring joy to people. It's an awesome thing to free people uh, that have been bound up in sin, that have been bound up in guilt and shame and, and condemnation and torment. That is a, that's a, a celebratory thing. We just, we just sang about it. How loud will we celebrate when we know that we are free? The gospel frees people. When Jesus breathes his spirit on you, he gives you his peace. That's the keys. He gives you his peace. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore, <clears throat> let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now, we're going to talk about the only thing that governs our freedom here. Verse 14, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean uh, in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. 
For your brother or sister, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no, long, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Now, let me put this in more of t- today's language because he's speaking to people that are caught up in an old tradition and some other things. Let me put it in a, a way that we can understand it. Don't let your, don't let your opinions <laughs> or your traditions get in the way of what Christ died for. Let me say that again. <laughs> don't let your own opinions and maybe your own traditions get in the way of something that, that Christ died for or someone that Christ died for. Don't, don't create hurdles that people should jump through or over that, should, that are not Christ because he's the only one. He's the only way. We should not be the ones that are making it more difficult for people to come to Jesus. We should be the ones that are making it much easier. We should be helping people. So you have to know you ha- you have to know that you have this million dollars or whatever it is. You have to know that you have something valuable before you can give it away, right? There needs to be a place in your life where you receive this. We always talk about we're an R&D church, receive and distribute. Um, there has to be a place in your heart where you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are, uh, we talked about last week, Sozo, save, heal, deliver, that you are righteous, <laughs> that you are holy, that you have peace. Because if you don't know that you have that, you're not going to be confident in giving it away, are you? If you don't know the character of the Father and how good he is, you're not going to try to lead someone else to that because you're not going to trust them, right? So we find ourselves in this, it's almost like a bit of a paradox where we want to retreat sometimes and just soak in the Lord. We just want to, we just want to just, just worship and just, just feel his, his presence and just know that he's there and just get filled up all the time. But we can't, we can't just be reservoirs because then we, we grow stagnant and we stink. We've, we've got to be these rivers of flowing water, giving them to other people. We have to give that life to everyone that's around us. It's healthy. It's good. It's who we are. It's what we're designed to be. Um, when, when we recognize that, that God sees us as his children and he sees himself in us, then we want to share that with other people. We want to. We desire to. Uh, I don't have to sit up here and tell you that you need to. You should want to do that. And the only way that you can do that is if you receive it yourself. You're free. You're forgiven. <laughs> you're righteous. Verse 16 says, Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. You carry the kingdom everywhere you go. It's a very simple message. (laughs) You have something of value. You are free, and your freedom is only bound by the love of the people that are around you. So we... We adjust, not that we're, we're adjusting our character, we don't have any kind of moral absolutes, we do, but we adjust the people around us because we care for them. So we adjust to them because we want to minister to them and we want to show them the way. Not just our way, but the way, because our way can sometimes get in the way of the way. Our own opinions, our own traditions, our own version of the way it happened for us. That's been uh, one of the biggest hurdles uh, growing up and, and learning to minister to other people is recognizing that the way it happened for me didn't, doesn't happen for everybody else the same way. And you can hear 
testimony after testimony after testimony in here of people that have experienced God in many, many, many different ways, um, in many different facets of their life, and it's not, it's not the same way you may have. And so we have to be careful that we don't place that on other people or even create a stumbling block because we make them feel less than because they didn't experience it the same way that we did. Why, why do you think that is? The same thing he's talking about here. You, you're, you're elevating something above Christ when we do that. Anything that we elevate above Christ, in, in my personal opinion, becomes heresy. Anything elevated above Christ, even if it sounds good and it sounds churchy and it sounds Christian-y, anything elevated above Christ, Christian-y, that's a new word I just made up. You like it? Um, it's still, it's, it's heresy because he is the only way. It says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We always thought that was the devil. The thief is any other way. In that, in that parable, the thief is any other way besides Christ. He is the only way. So even if it sounds good and seems good and our senses seem to, to think it is, if it's, if it's elevated above Christ, it's not good. And the freedom that he paid for is the good news that you, get, you guys get to share. I always go back to the Will Ferrell movie when he gives them all the, it was a soccer movie, Kicking and Screaming. He gives them all the little birds, and they're like, we have to keep these? And he's like, no, you get to keep those. I always feel like that's how we treat the gospel sometimes. It's like, we have to do stuff? Like, no, you get to do stuff. <laughs> this is good. This is actually good. That's a bad example because it's actually the opposite. But that's the point. You get to do these things. These things, these things should, be, um, should be enjoyable. You should be excited to share the gospel. It shouldn't be a burden, and it shouldn't always be a bunch of hard work. I mean, there's, there's work to be done, but it shouldn't always be stressful. Man, we come in here, and we have work days, and we come in here, and these guys practice in the morning. It's all joy. We laugh, and we joke, and we pray. Um, anything that you do, whether it's in here or out there, uh, do it with joy. It's what Christ died for, peace. He's constantly talking about peace, joy, righteousness. It's what I bought and paid for you. Take it. Here, <laughs> take it, keep it. I'll be with you. Go, share it. That's all I got. What do y'all think? Y'all got anything to add? Raise your hand. If you want a mic, if it's disinfected enough, or you can just holler, it don't matter. I'll stand close. Okay, you'll stand six feet away. Andrew will disinfect it with his white shirt. I'll just, I'll just hold it nearby. He'll clean that mic white as snow. Well, I really thought about this last week when Brian Danny shared about the way um, evangelism was done as a teenager, you know. And I, I got so stressed for a while as a teenager, I really thought any person I passed, I would have to share the four spiritual laws. I know that was boring as heck <laughs> to people. And it was torture to me, too, because I didn't really naturally talk to strangers. And... Um, so uh, even on my school bus, I think people dreaded me sitting by them after a while. <laughs> so anyway, um, but, you know, the Lord finally delivered me and helped me to see he didn't push like that. Right. That wasn't him. He wasn't trying to force me to do something. And, in fact, I told some girlfriends a few years ago, I was like, I just thought I had to do it when I said you thought you had to do it or you go to hell. And I said, no, I didn't think that. I just thought if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have fellowship with God. Right. And she said, well, that is hell, isn't it? And I said, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> anyway, it is. I'm, just, I'm so thankful now that it's just something you can do out of joy and out of the overflow. And it's just, it's, it's great now. You know, you, you mentioned something there that reminded me of a conversation Tracy and I had the other day. And it's really good. And I could probably preach a whole sermon on it, but I'm not. Um, but because we understand the dynamics of what heaven looks like and that's been deposited in our hearts and we can enjoy that reality now, 
there are some aspects of hell that are also in our reality now because Tracy asked me, she was like, well, if, if heaven's real and we can, we can experience it now, do you think hell is as well on earth and we can experience it now? And I said, you know what, I never thought about it. And I began to think about it and pray about it and look at scripture. I was like, you know what, yeah. And, and what you said is exactly right. Heaven is eternal uh, union with God, is, is us being what Jesus paid for is for us to have a, a right relationship, a right standing, and a relationship with God. Hell is a separation, and we can experience the effects of that even now if we choose not to accept it. So I think there are aspects of that as well, and it's an, an interesting topic I'm going to try to tackle. But you, you, since you mentioned that, um, we unfortunately as Christians we try to we try to place that separation as though it's a real thing, and all it is is our mind not being renewed because that's already been done. But um, but yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So something we talked about Wednesday too. I'll say real quick. You're not responsible to save the world. Like you individually, you're not. Um, the story I heard years ago that stuck with me that I shared with the kids Wednesday uh, was this kid uh, picking up starfish that were on the beach. Y'all probably heard the story before. Um, and they were turned upside down. The, the tide had gone out, and they were all going to die, and there were just thousands of them all the way down the beach. Um, and he was picking them up and throwing them back, and a guy stopped him, and he said, what are you doing? He was like, well, I'm saving these starfish. you know." And he was like, well, there's no way that you're going to save them all. What difference does it make? And he's like, well, it makes a difference to this one. And he threw it in. <laughs> And I thought, what a great story, and it's true. Love the ones that are right in front of you. I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to reach everybody all the time. Don't wait for some grand platform or, or, or some place. Your platform is, is you. <laughs> you're the platform. Everywhere you go, you, this is the same way Jesus did. He just sat down and ate with people from Pharisees to, to thugs and, and everywhere in between. He sat down and he spent time with people and he cared for people. The ones right in front of him, he ministered to. Even Jesus didn't heal everybody, Right? Love the ones that are right in front of you and take the time to actually minister to them and not think that you've got to save the whole world or feel guilty if you don't. It's, 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 God, I'll say this real quick, and I'll let, God, is, God did not go through all the trouble of sacrificing his son and raising him from the dead and giving the Holy Spirit to make this thing complicated. I say it all the time, but I mean, come on. It's not what a good father would do. <laughs> this is very simple. Yeah. I was reflecting on the dynamic of the idea that there is more, that we live... For, that there's more, that when we die, there's heaven. And mm -hmm. that is a, you know, where did we get that? Well, the Lord revealed it to us. And I, I see the panic that goes on with this current pandemic compared to one when I was a senior in high school, 69, and, and, and there was somebody trying to figure out the difference. Why are people reacting differently? And, and I think it's, it's um, they have failed to realize the dynamic that this is not all there is. Yeah. And even now in our lives here, that what we see is not all there is. The right. Holy Spirit is in everything. I mean, with us, when we walk, um, I was talking to somebody some time ago. They said something about they were getting a lot more work done because they didn't have people stopping by their office finding out what they're having for lunch. And, you know, and I said, well, it's because the Holy Spirit lives in you and they're drawn. They want to talk to you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah. And it, it does something for them. It comforts them, encourages them, even though you're not maybe not saying anything that's spiritual. Right. Um, but that, that is what, what, one of the things that we can share with the world is that there is more. Yeah. And something else I told that reminded me of something else I told the kids Wednesday was if Jesus was alive today, you would want to invite him to your barbecue. Like he was, he was a fun guy to be. He was a good guy to be around. He was healing people. <laughs> he was turning water to wine. Like, he, he, was the, he was the whole package, man. He, he could build stuff. He was a carpenter. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just saying, don't, like, you would imagine you might not have
God, and you might not have been invited to barbecues because you, you know what I mean? Like, that's not Jesus' heart for us is to aggravate people into the kingdom. He never says, go, <laughs> go and aggravate people into the kingdom. He says, go proclaim the good news, not, not go try to do everything or I'm going to take away my presence or I'm going to run away from you. He says, no, if you go and join yourself to a harlot, I'm going to go with you. Pay attention to what you do, but know that I'm not going anywhere. I care enough to be there with you regardless of what you do. It's not about what you do, it's who you are, and I tell you who you are, and that's where your, your identity is found. That's what you carry, and that's what you have to give to other people. Their identity, call it up out of them. Not try to push it down their throats. They're, it's already there. They've been created by a creator. All you have to do is point it out and let God do the, do the rest. You're, you're just casting seeds. Truth at them, and, and then one's going to grab. That's, that's Parables, people like to debate a lot about all the details. The main point of that whole parable about casting seeds is you don't make it grow. Cast, water, watch God do it. How awesome is it, and I know Tracy and I have seen this, how awesome is it to see lives change right in front of you just because you casted some seeds and watched God do something? That's fun. That's, that's good. That's good news. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's the gospel, Right? This is, what, this is what you're called to do. So we come here and we celebrate, we worship, we're thankful. I love seeing you guys here, but this is just a small part of the picture of being a Christian. The bigger picture is outside. Um, I keep going back to just because it's fresh on my mind about the youth. One of the questions I asked them, even in these times when sometimes you can't meet physically, what are some areas? And social media kept popping up. Listen, guys, I don't. Don't be annoying. You don't want everybody hiding you because you post 20,000 times a day and you're opinionated on everything. There's a balance, too. But, yeah, so listen to the Holy Spirit. If you, if you feel like you've, you've heard for somebody, you can even, I know this is crazy, but you can actually call, like, our phones work for, like, talking, too. You can actually call and talk. I know, yeah, you can talk, call and talk to people. But you can send an encouraging text or a private message. You don't have to publicly do everything on Facebook or wherever kids are, Snapchat and everything like that. But there are areas that you can, you can reach people. Um, I mean, there's lots of different avenues. There's no limit to what we can do if we actually care to do it, right? So if the quote-unquote challenge here, there's your challenge. Take it for what it's worth. Use, use the tools you have to, to spread the good news. Simple. And don't be a jerk. That's all I got. <laughs> spread the good news. Don't be a jerk. Yeah, Courtney. Wait, wait, you have a slightly disinfected For mic. our studio audience at home. <laughs> um, oh, you're right. Sorry. Cooties. <laughs> I remember kind of, this just reminded me of when I first got saved, I had like a very mission mindset where I thought that to spread the gospel, I had to go to like a third world country or like the homeless community. And I kind of had that mindset for a lot of years and it really prevented me from sharing the gospel because I felt like it had to be someone that quote unquote looked helpless and lost and um, but finally I got this revelation that the person like living in the mansion down the street with a beautiful family and a nice car, like they were just as lost mm -hmm. as someone who didn't have a home. And that was a huge revelation to me because then kind of like you said, it opened my mind that mission, the mission field wasn't necessarily like a third world country. The mission field was, um, my coworkers. Yeah. It was like the waitress at the restaurant, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think to kind of have that switch in a mindset where you don't have to go somewhere and give up everything to go spread the gospel. Like that is the mission field is 
just where God has placed you and the people that you see every day. Yeah. And um, that was like, that was really huge for me in my mindset with like sharing the gospel and that kind of just reminded me of it. Yeah, that's good. I remember seeing that in ministry for years, the exact same thing I would see, the, the quote unquote picture perfect family set up, nice house in suburbia with the cars and everything like that. And the more I would get to know people, the more I would see all the struggles and stuff that they were dealing with and they were just as hurting and just as lost and just in need of, need of Jesus as the homeless guy on the corner. It's, it's no different. It's no different. I, the, the very, I was, since uh, Ravi passed away, I was listening to some of his stuff, and, and he even mentioned something uh, just about how it's, it's just inherent in our nature to, to long for our Creator. It's, it's, we're always going to be longing for our Creator. God has just chosen to... Um, to work with us. He, he chose for us to be involved. He, could he have done it on his own? Yeah, of course, he's God. He chose for us to be involved. Why? Because it's good, for, it's healthy for us, right? We don't pour milk in our gas tank because it doesn't, the car won't run on it, right? So it's good for us to minister because God knows what, what, we, what our soul really needs. And it's not money. It's not success. It's not some of the things that we chase after, um, it is, it is knowing who our creator is and finding our identity in him and him calling it out in us. And a lot of times, here's the cool thing um, about that is when we begin to call it out on other people, we'll, it'll, bounce, it'll splash back on us. We'll, we'll begin to call it out on other people and go, you know what, I'm that too. You'll get that revelation and go, wait, I'm, what I'm saying to them, that applies to me too, and it can change your life just as much as it changes theirs. Why? Because our, our vehicles run on gas, <laughs> And we run on Holy Spirit, right? So when we, when we start doing things, like the pistons, um, everything's a car for me or something. So things start moving and things start happening and there's action and it's fun. I don't, when, when cars and motorcycles and boats don't run, they're not fun. But when they run, you can do all kinds of fun things with them, right? They function. There's fuel. There's things going on. In the same way, when we go out and we minister to people and we love people and we care for people and we do simple things, very simple things, it's fun. It's life. I mean, it is life. Uh, real quick, I'll, I'll butcher the C.S. Lewis quote real quick, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, C.S. Lewis says something to the effect of friendships have no, uh, in, in, like, no, survival, no value to survival or something like that, but they give survival value. So I told you I'd butcher it. Basically, the relationships we have, <clears throat> did I say that kind of okay? Close enough. Anyway, so we don't relationships in and of themselves can be detrimental to our survival if that's the case because we will place ourselves in harm's way to help others, right? So what he's saying is, but what's the purpose of even being here if we don't have these relationships? He recognized something that was very, very much biblical is that we were created to be around other people in the community. Uh, part of my, my stress with the whole COVID-19 thing is prolonged social distancing is dangerous. I understand the reasoning behind it, why they're wanting to do it, to try to help not overload the hospitals, all that kind of thing. And I'm not, I'm not going to create any stumbling blocks for you, by my opinion. But what I will say is, and I do stand on this, is prolonged social distancing is dangerous. Before COVID-19 ever came around, there were books written about it. It's how we punish people in prison. It's how we punish people at war. Don't stay too far apart for too long. Whatever that looks like to you is fine. I'm okay with it. But just be careful with that, because when you separate yourself for too long, silence can turn into words that aren't even there because you'll begin to hear things and see things 
that, that aren't even real because you've, you've completely separated yourself from people that care and love you. Care for you and love you. I ran out of breath there. That's why I could never be a rapper. All right, stand up with me. Also, my word plays weak. All right, Father, we just thank you for, for, uh, for this day. Lord, I thank you that we can, we, we can meet together physically, but also that uh, your Holy Spirit knows no time and space. So even if we're sometimes separated physically, we still have, uh, we're thankful to be in a, in a time that we have technology that we can reach out to one another. Lord, help us to use that for that reason. Lord, you've, we've got some pretty neat tools that we can share your good news and your gospel with. Uh, but we pray that you would lead us in those areas, that it would, it would be your heart that is expressed through us. Lord, we renew our minds to the truth that you've deposited in our hearts, which is the kingdom of God, and it brings peace, and it brings joy, and it brings righteousness. Help us to throw those out just ridiculously. Make those contagious. In Jesus' name, amen.